There seems to be something genuinely artificial about recording an end-of-the-year review every year. That's my thoughts, and I'm sticking to it this year. So much has gone on this year. I was at the dentist maybe a week ago, and the dental hygienist, I think that's what they're called, that's the vernacular, the person scraping my teeth, asked me about my trip to the UK in February, and I realised that I hadn't seen this hygienist. I'd got in and had another hygienist, I guess, in my mid-year checkup. It's very difficult to actually describe the two trips that I did to the UK this year in terms of a generally positive narrative. I've removed the banking component to this from my own thinking explicitly because there's nothing good that can come out of dwelling too much on this thing. I guess in part it can look like personal failure, but this really wasn't a personal failure at all. This was systemic. I mean, the nature of my travels to the UK for the banking was just that every interaction I had with the bank, they indicated to me very clearly that they didn't want to have me as a customer. The bait-and-switch nature of, you know, bring this documentation, no, bring this documentation, no, bring this documentation. So let us remove that from the travels to the UK this year. Let's talk a little bit about the good stuff that I enjoyed through these trips. The first thing is that I found a really nice place to stay in Mortlake, which I went to in February and also came back to in August. And that place was just so calming compared to central London, for example. But also made the point this is a traffic-free environment because it's on a pathway. The nearest road is about 150, 200 meters away. So you are removed from traffic in an environment which is pretty surrounded by traffic. It's certainly something that I reflected upon about why I like the location in Mork Lake more than anything else. In addition to this, the time that I spent in the north was wonderful. Certainly spending time with Bob Mottram is just untouchable, and I'm spending quite a bit of time currently to try and work out if there's any feasible way to get Bob Mottram a stipend for next year, because clearly having someone like Bob Mottram work on the APSDK is going to be very beneficial. And similarly, as I wouldn't talk about the banking in the UK, I don't really want to talk about the name change and all this other nonsense that's gone through. I still, unfortunately use the old term for my simulation works on a regular basis. Slowly but surely, I'm changing that up. I'm removing the word noble from all the software, which is a start. There's various things that are hosted on noblelike.com still that I need to get moved off. But, you know, all this is progress, and because it's not particularly edifying, it's probably good to do it, you know, like a series of band-aids to rip off. Another thing that I really enjoyed in the North, which actually leads into one of the strange successes of this year was the brief time that I spent at Goblin Games, but also how My Rules Are Better, the podcast My Rules Are Better, has generated an audience. Now, it's a very curious audience, it's a small audience, but it is a relatively vocal audience. And for that reason, I mean, let's be frank here, I'm recording this in my podcasting room that I have completely re-architected specifically to record video podcasts for My Rules Are Better. And in thinking about the use of video, certainly with regards to the APSDK, video lends itself very heavily to that as well. So the Ape Reality podcast, maybe in the new year, might become a vehicle once again for discussions associated with Barbelay simulation with video as well. But the learnings that I've had through My Rules of Better seems to indicate that there is a niche audience for almost everything that I'll put out there provided I create some kind of interactive feedback component to it. So I think My Rules Are Better is really, it's now two very distinct things. 
The first thing is it's a rules creation, rules discussion environment, and also it's a social thing as well. It's kind of model rail radio hybridized in a different direction. But the video, I think, is very important. And I have a tight turnaround with regards to the video production. I film, do very basic edits, and then put online almost immediately. And that speed of getting stuff out is really critical to maintain the video format. It's certainly something I thought about with regards to using video for APSDK stuff as well, that I need to have a very tight production loop to get it out. So anything that's labored, so for example, Model Rail Radio is at the other extreme. Model Rail Radio takes hours of editing following the recording, and that is a different kind of discipline. But I'm creating currently well-defined parameters that I'm going to operate with video in the new year. And I think that is interesting. What else would one describe in a year in review? I mean, Model Rail Radio has been an interesting thing over the past year. I went to the Narrow Gauge Convention. But as a forum for people, as a means of interacting with folk, Model Rail Radio continues. And I think the strengths of Model Rail Radio is firstly the long tail associated with it, but also that we do periodically get new callers. We are still very much in that phase of old callers, frequent callers, new callers coming together. The format, it's difficult because in the past, certainly five years, the way in which people contribute online is very different. Contribute here meaning participate fundamentally. The rise and fall of Facebook has meant that historically it was relatively easy to record a show with 10 people calling in. Now it requires a very specific set of circumstances for that to occur. And what I'm finding particularly interesting is just being more comfortable with that. If we record a show where only three or four people call in, it's still a show fundamentally. But these changes, particularly associated with participation, is something that I'm thinking about very strongly, that Model Rail Radio perhaps is just going to be redefined in having, you know, three or four callers. And within that, it's a slightly different format than it was, you know, three or five years ago. We recorded at the start of the year show 150, and that had a slightly different feel to it than show 100. Show 100 went on for about ten and a half hours, and it was physically located here in our house. I mean, people actually came. There was a train layout downstairs. People came up to be interviewed. But 150 was just me recording two shows, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, to kind of capture a UK, European audience, and then a North American and Australian audience. And I think probably show 200, as it comes, I mean, it's probably going to be a year or two out, probably in a similar format. I mean, I have talked about doing it on the East Coast, potentially. I don't know. There are a variety of possible permutations there. But I think Model Rail Radio has maintained itself as a constant through all this other nonsense. Another part of this year that I've talked about periodically through these recordings is associated with creating a non-profit around my stuff. And that was another thing where it's just like, meh, no. $20,000 probably could go better elsewhere. But also... A large portion of that money is because of the way the IRS is currently for open source technology. And irrespective of the amount of tangible, real tangible, I mean, that in itself, I think, is a very curious thing. But what the IRS would see as tangible, you know, public good that would come through this thing as a charitable thing. Most of the 20,000 is convincing the IRS that this is the case. My understanding is certainly 
I don't know through the Obama administration, but certainly through the Clinton administration, which is when Biota was set up, the IRS was considerably more sympathetic to this kind of stuff. Whereas now, you know, you pay, unfortunately, to fight through whatever you have to fight through. And that just seems to be wasted money from my perspective. In terms of writing, I have a, I don't know, 24, 25,000 word tome that I'm just working out what to do with. I reread it through late afternoon prior to Thanksgiving. I read through the text. And I think I need to come back to it at a time where I have a certain fire with the work. I've been through it a few times, and there are bits that clearly need tightening. There are bits that need reworking. And I just need to be in the right space to do that. And I think the end of year period, maybe when I'm in Australia, I'll have a look at it more critically. But it's there. It's close, very similar to the ApeSim app. It's there and it's close. It just requires a certain amount of dedicated focus. And the stuff with the APSTK is more interesting. I'm going back and trying to get the server code working a little bit differently. And, you know, there are a few things that I need to fix, a few wrinkles I need to fix, and then I'll get back to ApeSim. But the other component with ApeSim is that I spent so much time this year just working around the changes that Apple has made. The stuff that Apple's made, the changes associated with open source specifically, eliminate a lot of stuff that was just given previously. Like, you know, basic file handling, things like that. So when you have security methods that are kind of put in the way of that stuff, it all becomes more interesting. But using drag and drop now, I mean, I always make these things into positives. Using drag and drop now as a means of file interaction, you know, that has some benefits too. It would be nice if files just opened automatically, but failing that drag and drop. I think I've run out of ideas associated with stuff at the end of the year. If I need to record on some specific topic, I'll record on some specific topic going forwards. But I do reflect on this year as being a kind of doubling down in isolation in some regard. I did restart the Biota podcast, you know, did a few interviews, realized where the state of the art was there, and then thought, yeah, well, that was fun. And my anticipation is probably I'll record maybe two or three Biota recordings in the new year at various times. But there doesn't seem to be any pressing need with regards to that currently. And it's interesting also, as I start using video in ape reality, maybe some of that could go into the Biota feed. But honestly, I don't even know if Biota is going to be around next year. I think Bruce Damer is removing the, the charitable part of that, potentially. Moving it to a, I don't know what one would call it, the Lunar Capture project he's working on. So, you know, Biota may not be around next year as, as Biota, the Biota podcast still will exist as a domain name. And there's going to be more interesting stuff potentially happening next year as well. I haven't really talked about it at all in any of my podcasts, aside from alluding to the fact that I may be in Southern California for parts of next year. But we'll see how that happens. We'll see what that does to my podcast recordings. And no doubt I'll probably get another one of these things out before the end of the year. But yeah, a somewhat poor wandering through a variety of different ideas as they came through uh, from the year. So apologies if one was looking for a more detailed end-of-year breakdown. 